Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. My name is Damien B. Donnelly and I'm the host and producer of this show and I am delighted to welcome you to the very first episode of season six. I cannot quite believe that we've made it to season six, but I'm not taking a breath and just going to keep going for as long as people want to tune in. And as long as there are voices out there who are looking for a platform to share their poetry, then I'll be here. We are, of course, available on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts and iTunes. And usually we drop around 5pm on a Saturday late afternoon, early evening, Greenwich Mean Time. But of course, we are a podcast, so you can tune in whenever you're in need of that poetry fix. So far, we have had over 385 guests spread across more than 75 episodes and today we are adding another five to that total with guests from England, Scotland, a daughter of Scottish and German parents and an American now living in Ireland. So what are you waiting for? It's time for you to sit down, put your feet up, close your eyes and let our poetic star guests look after you for the next hour. My name is Damien B. Donnelly, this is Eat the Storms and I hope you enjoy the show. Today we are kicking off season six with a very welcomed returning guest. She was originally with us sharing poems from her collection Things My Mother Left Behind from Potter's Grove Press. And even more recently, she was one of the stars of our inaugural issue of The Storms, our new journal of poetry, prose and visual arts. Today she is back again and she is sharing poems from her acrostic collection called Tiger Lily in collaboration with artist Jane Cornwell. You will know her from places like Cronogue, the California Weekly and Ink, Sweat and Tears, among others, or perhaps from her blog, Stories from the Edge of Blindness. It is an honour always to welcome back to Eat the Storms, the incredible Susan Richardson. Hi, this is Susan Richardson, and today I am going to be reading from my most recent book, Tiger Lily, an ekphrastic collaboration by artist Jane Cornwell and myself. I am only 50% of Tiger Lily, the other 50% being Jane's beautiful paintings and drawings. Um, But hopefully you can get a feeling for our book from the poems today. The first poem I'd like to share is the title poem from our book. Here's Tiger Lily. As my father's memories gathered dust and mist crept behind his eyes, the sorrow that colored his life turned to water in his hands. His edges softened. He became sweeter, more playful. He snuck through the house, a shushing finger pressed to the grin that lit up his face like the moon, snatched pieces of chocolate from his wife's private stash, shared the spoils. He ate whipped cream without a spoon, slept in his favorite suede shoes, told me one day he would fly away. At the end, he was peaceful, 
my sister and I holding his hands as he took his last sips of air. He will never be entombed. He will be given back to the earth to mingle with the roots of trees, become the soil that cultivates life. He will be branches that touch the sky, leaves rustled by a gentle wind. He will be a field of sunflowers that greet the morning, rolling hills that stretch to the edge of night. He will be a tiger lily, blooming bright for just one day. This next poem actually began in 2020, when I was first introduced to Jane and her beautiful artwork, and I'm thrilled that it made it into Tiger Lily in 2022. It's called Between Chaos and Silence. Today is not the day to trespass into the dawn, to leave your boot prints jagged like knife strokes on fragile blades of grass. Today is not the day to muscle your way in, to bring the brutality of your hands into the serenity of the morning. Today is not the day to speak with your teeth, to shred the delicate webs that protect the boundary between chaos and silence. Today is the day to take stillness onto your tongue, to transform your rage into a whisper of petals that linger gently against a backdrop of sapphire sky. So some of the poems in Tiger Lily were written in response to Jane's artwork, and some of Jane's artwork was created in response to the poems. This is one of those. It's called Wilderness, She Beckons. I wake to the sound of rain, beating a chaotic mantra against the window. Hold my breath for a moment, fearful of interrupting her lament. Quietly, I slip from beneath the safety of a plush red blanket, feel my way toward the danger of her voice. I press my forehead against the glass, wishing I could fly, a blackbird stealing into the stormy sky. The landscape stretches in vigorous motion, pushing craggy arms into the sea, turbulent, foreboding. She beckons with a rolling tongue, warns with jagged teeth. A spark of terror comes alive in my blood, exhilaration quickening my pulse. She takes me like a shadow into her mouth, spits me out in a rage. I am only bones now, turmoil strewn across the beach, left waiting to feel the assault of her love once more. This next piece is one of two highbuns that made it into Tiger Lily. It's called Blink. I started making lists, searching the horizon and waiting for sunset to pull me gently under. I never believed in the infinite nature of the sun 
or the need to keep happiness captive. But time is a cruel teacher with greedy fingers that snatch memories from the hollows of throats. Every moment is lost before you can hold it in the palm of your hand. Every breath a blade when the heavy texture of grief weaves itself into the blink of an eye and sorrow takes root. Sunlight scalds my mouth, cuts out my tongue with false hope, ravages the night. The last poem that I'm going to share is the closing poem in Tiger Lily. It's called The Shape of Dragons. I am a creature of the night, a bomb in the mouth of a full moon. My voice bleeds onto a darkened canvas, blues and purples that saturate the sky, exploding in parcels of light. Stars fall in shapes of dragons that speckle my skin and burn up inhibitions, lending my heart to the pursuit of defiance. I am a transformation of breath and blood, hunger sweltering on an eager tongue, a howl that conquers the quiet of 3 a.m. I delight in the caress of nightfall, an unleashing of frenzy and fire. Disguised by the sounds of darkness, I fly through chaos with open eyes, unafraid and beautiful. When the sun rises, I slip into the skin of shadows, impenetrable, unbreakable, I vanish. Next up, we are heading over to the United Kingdom for another one of our superb contributors from the Storms Journal, which came out earlier this year in August. He has had work published in journals in the United Kingdom, the United States, all across Europe and Southeast Asia. Before stepping into the shoes of a poet, he wrote geography textbooks. Most were published by the Oxford University Press and some were award winners. He is a head teacher living and working in West London and encourages his pupils, teachers and parents to see the poetry in things. I am so pleased to welcome back to Eat the Storms our very own head poet, Chris Spencer. Hello everybody, um, this is Chris Spencer. I'm a, a writer and a teacher and, and um, as we all must, I, I start by thanking thanking Damien, um, the whirlwind um, for, for enabling poets to share their work in this way. So uh, look, I'm, I'm going to start straight away with, with a, a poem that owes quite a lot to uh, Pablo Neruda. I don't know if you know his um, ode to his socks. He's got ode to a, a pair of socks. Brilliant um, poem, which takes something uh, mundane, a pair of socks, and makes them into something metaphysical and, and heavenly and, and, and wonderful. Now, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I'm going to match Pablo, but this is my Ode to Yellow. Ode to Yellow. The Yellow of Toast, 
Linguini with lemon butter sauce eaten in the sunshine is four times yellow, minion yellow, Pikachu yellow, Simpsons yellow, the pale yellow of insect blood. The girl in the saffron dress walking home from church crosses over from the shade to avoid the boys from the estate. A yellow leaf on a cold day, the halos of marigolds and the sun when we saw the pollen come up, sulphurous lemon yellow of the evening sky, Indian yellow made from the urine of cows, orpiment, tartrazine, ice saver yellow, snake venom yellow, Van Gogh with mouthful of chrome yellow, toxic as battery acid, Vermeer yellow, Turner yellow, Mondrian yellow, Winifred Nicholson yellow, Oliver Eliasson at the Tate Modern. Monofrequency light emits yellow that reduces the viewer's spectral range. In the meadow's haze, yellow is a buttercup held to my chin. As he climbs into bed with us, my son says, Today is a yellow lamp. I became not addicted, but I think um, Neruda wrote um, 200 or so of those long, thin odes, and, and I can see why they are lovely to write. I, I hope you got something out of that one. Now, I don't know what, I don't want to, to name drop here, but um, I sent a poem to Ted Couser, who's an American poet, was the poet laureate there. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I was, I was looking for, for poems to read to my kids, and I found one of, of Ted Couser's, and wrote to him, saying, you know, I'd found a poem, and, and the kids had really enjoyed it. Uh, and so I wrote this poem about something that I sent to Ted to, 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 to thank him, and he's been very kind um, about looking at my work and, and, and things like that. This is called On Sending Ted Couser Unquiet Landscape. Winter finches jab at the bare maple. Our copper feeder is kept empty. We have mice in the yard. In the wet cold, a pair of birds work the branches, searching for insects and early buds. For a moment, the cage of end twigs blooms red and yellow as they squabble. When we bought the house, there were CDs hanging from the branches to scare the birds, the lady said, off to Cornwall to join her magistrate lover. Our children come out to feel the washing frozen on the line. A t-shirt stiff as an axe, socks like boomerangs. My bike has weeds in the wheels. I sent Ted Couser a book in a torn Amazon sleeve, all the way to Nebraska. I pictured a tin mailbox on his acreage, hard snow pushed high away from the roads. Looking for a poem for my pupils, I found his work a week ago and settled to it like a sparrow in a dust bath on a summer's day. I should say a little word about Unquiet Landscape, which is a wonderful book by um, Christopher Neve um, about um, 20th century landscape painting. And uh, I, I think there's, there's, there's so much poetry on every page. He writes beautifully. And um, in terms of my poetry, I'm not a great one for putting myself into it. Um, I, I love poets 
who who do that and talk about their their themselves and 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 how they're feeling and, and make themselves the subjects of the the poem. It's, I just can't do that very well, I don't think. But I do like noticing things, and I think my my poetry is is inspired by noticing things. And and this poem called Magpies uh, resulted from just a walk down our street. I live in a, a, a quiet residential street in London with my son, and we saw a, a magpie's nest up in a sycamore tree. Well, sycamore trees and, and rowan trees along our, our, our street. And it had a piece of you know, thick, weathered plastic. And, and this poem came from a conversation that I had with my son. Magpies. You do not have to climb the sycamore bending the thin branches to see the shopping bag beaked and twined into the dark nest. Just think of the rainwater held and pooled that chilled the turquoise eggs and of their magpies with their cackles never born. Here's another poem inspired by my children. I've got a, 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 a boy nine and, and, and my daughter who is seven it's just been their birthdays actually this one's called enough enough today we give our daughter some pencils she sits at a low table on a small arm armchair so that her feet lie flat on the wooden floor she tells us i'm drawing a family she's certain of things she knows to turn the pencil to keep a sharp edge she fills each figure with a rainbow her hair falls over her eyes. She sings the story of the picture to herself. She does not look up at us until she has finished. Today, our son rides a bike, which is Spider-Man red. We move the saddle so that his toes rest flat on the floor. He tells us, at school they said just my toes should touch, not the flat of my foot. When he rides the bike on the road, he is certain of things. He knows to keep to the side, even though the white lines in the middle of the road look like a path drawn on a map. Riding in front, he does not turn his head when he tells us to stop and points to a shadow shaped like an eagle's beak. Today, our daughter says, Alexa, play beautiful boy. She holds my hands and shows me how my feet should move. My son dances barefoot. When we look at our children, we see ourselves. They watch how we say, I love you. They say, I love you. They are certain of our love. Our children eat space and time. They take us by the hand and show us the right way to catch a ball or peel an orange or dance. We ask them, why are you smiling? They turn and show us how things are enough. From London, England, now we are travelling up north to Scotland to meet a first-time guest to eat the storms, but certainly not a stranger to me, thanks to Black Bow Poetry, where I have had the privilege of reading some of her work already. And just this week, her new pamphlet, Rock Souls, arrived in my letterbox. She has had two other pamphlets to her name in February in 2019 and says Eura earlier this year. 
Her work has appeared in places like Northwards Now, Silk and Smoke, Green Ink Poetry, and as I said, in Black Bow Poetry. As an artist, she is intrigued by visible and invisible boundaries, lines, geographical fault lines, myth and reality, edge lines of land and sea. Today, she is sharing poems from Rock Salt, which was a collaboration between this poet and the artist Elsbeth Knight. And not only do they have a pamphlet, they also have an exhibition at Rock Salt, which will run for four weeks at the Glisk Gallery from the 28th of October to the 20th of November this year. Please settle back in the absolutely fantastic company that is Larissa Reed. Thank you, Damien, and hello to everyone listening to this episode of the Brilliant Eat the Storms podcast. My name is Larissa Reid. I was born and brought up in Fife, in Scotland, where I still live today. I'd like to read to you from my latest poetry pamphlet, Rock Salt. This collection of 21 poems isn't just a poetry pamphlet, however, it's the culmination of a year-long collaboration with a good friend of mine, Elspeth Knight, who is a mixed-media artist. Elspeth and I have known each other since we were at school in St Andrews in the 1990s. She recently moved to the wee town on the Fife Coast here in Scotland, where I've been living for over five years. The town is called Burnt Island, and it has a wide and varied history, connected closely with the fourth estuary, surrounding geology, and the industries that have risen and fallen all around this area, from fishing to coal and oil shale mining to agriculture. It was this heritage that inspired Elspeth and I to work together on an art and poetry project entitled Rock Salt. We have an exhibition opening in Burnt Island at the end of October 2022, and it's running for a month. The first poem I'd like to read today is entitled Star-Crossed and it is very much set in Burnt Island with its docks and surrounding countryside forming the setting for a little love story. Star-Crossed Where the cranes divide the sky under a muted dawn we sit under sandstone pillows inscribed with thyme and salt winds. Your liquid shadow spills out across the dock as you spin a yarn from the single stars that pick a path out across the fourth. You fight an urge to turn giant and push those cable drums seaward to watch them unroll their cargo in furls of snakes. I listen and long to hold you by the kissing trees under a hawthorn halo of lace as rooks peel away from their roosts and wheel across fields spiked by plough and gold. From the overworld to the underworld, we're surrounded here in South Fife by the remnants of the coal and oil shale industries. Disused mine shafts and the memories of the pits are deeply embedded in the Fife landscape and in the psyche of the families who've lived and worked here for generations. During this project, I visited several more former mining sites and villages, read countless newspaper reports from old papers 
and found myself remembering images of driving around Fife with my father when I was a child in the 1980s, when certain pit heads still dominated parts of the county. This poem, The Black Seam, is written in memory of all those who worked in the mines here. It starts and ends with a repeating refrain, a call to remember, a prayer almost. The Black Seam Palm presses palm, swallow dust and the hard roundness of tears, stream of the earth, riddle the ground. Remember that landscape, wheeled and pitted, held together by silhouettes, pinned to a tattered skyline. In the underworld, veins pulsed, threaded with pride and scars, broken hearts and fire damp. The wolf flames leapt ahead on pyrite walls. Men absorbed rock, absorbed men. Coal light danced in their eyes. Remember those names, hands held and heads high, drawn together by black seams, embroidered into this land. Palm presses palm, swallow dust and the hard roundness of tears, stream of the earth, riddle the ground. Finally, I'd like to read one of Elspeth's favourite poems from the project. So much so that she created five different artworks inspired by this tiny poem. Ellie emphasises female forms in a number of the pieces in the project. The ghostly imprints of multiple generations of the same family in one particular painting that matches this poem are very striking. The fisher folk, the fishwives... The holler of Kola Oo. These ghosts are tangible on both sides of the Firth of Forth. Out on walks, both here in Fife and over in New Haven in Edinburgh, where I used to live, you can feel the layers of human history in each place, the eyes around every corner, the sense of pride in the graft, the repetition, the contribution. These themes run through several of the poems in the Rock Salt Project. So here, for Ellie, is my poem, Inheritance. Inheritance. I stand where she stood. She stood where she stood. And she stood. And she stood. Shucking oysters, gutting mackerel, layering presents like fish scales, each tucked into one another, Paralysed by place, by sea, by shingled shore, secured like cockle shells to this coved coast. Thank you very much for listening.
And from Scotland, we are now coming back down to England, though not so far this time, as we're stopping off in Newcastle for another returning guest to eat the storms. And I am also thrilled to say another one of our contributors from the storms, our journal of poetry, prose and visual arts. This time, it is a poet who was commissioned by New Creatives, a talent development scheme supported by the Arts Council England, BBC Arts and Tyneside Cinema to produce an audio piece based on his poetic sequence, The Stone Men of Newcastle. This piece was broadcast on BBC platforms, including BBC Sound and BBC Introducing the Arts. And today we have the privilege of listening to it here on Eat the Storms. The actors who will perform this piece are Dan Pine and Stacey Ghent. Its creator has had work in various places, including The Honest Ulsterman, Fly on the Wall, The London Magazine, The Seventh Quarry, Nightingale and Sparrow, Black Bow Poetry, Creative Ireland 2022 Poetry Anthology, Chasing Shadows and many, many more. As I said, he's been with us before, but it's such a pleasure to have him back again. With those stone men of Newcastle, these are the mighty musings of Mr. Daniel Hines. The stone men of Newcastle. A certain faultless, matchless, deathless line. Curve and consummate. Arthur O'Shaughnessy. The line of beauty. I cast a stone into a pool. These lines are the ripples that curve. The lines of beauty that draw the shape of dead and lingering men. The mundane and unmoving ghosts of a commuter's careless glance. Every man a new stone block. In our old castle, holding in his last death grip. His own exceptionalism. Our daily walks bulwark to stem the slow, erosion of the past's last bastions. Unruined Ozymandiases, buried in tides of flesh, not sand, the remorseful gods of a living city. Stone blocks blocked from worship by buses and bypasses and self-centred screen glow. The rainstorm of crowds and modernity with every watery libation, you grow less. Is this the afterlife you would have chosen? Yourselves, your own purgatorial mountains? You are the stone and unexploded shells of some vast dark ocean. I see you. From your stone eyes, see me. And one day, I too will wear the mask of clay. Clear was our first flesh. Let us return to it. Clasp. For Sir Anthony Gormley's clasp. Already they're calling it Gormley's gormless shape. Signing their petitions against your signature piece. Every day I pray to know whether to step to the right or the left of you. Man or pagan that I am, that my choice is the sign and determines my day. I hear two voices, one like bronze, male and ancient and gargling spit. The other soft and stately and womanly. One gurgles right, the other 
whispers left. The, the lovers. lovers. Your hard bodies locked like the first steps of an alien ziggurat. Lovrat. Consorting on campus is an offence. Already they're signing the petition. An ignorant scrawl like a lurid streak of luminous urine splash. And the dragon. For Charles Leonard Hartwell's St. George and the Dragon. No dragon flights, only pigeons. Their white splatter in place of the serpent spat fire. No dragon shout, only a weak winter's sun warms my stunted shoulder blades where wings do not grow. It's sad to see the beast tamed by form. Swords could not cut your hide. You hid in a bronze green lake and were cut from it. Like a picked up discarded cigarette still smoking. They sit and watch the tennis or some ten years out of date kids movie rather than hear the stone speak of the wars of some hundred years ago. Hold your ear to the stone shell. Hear the weight of swords that shatter honour justice as red scales. The splinter crack of shields held in faithful hands, smashing under strokes of light. The fleshy clap of angels' wings as men ascend. The slurp of men bowing under mud. The mouth of hell's choking gurgle. The lions shout, greedy and repulsed, as England swallows its dead. Our forebearers' best butcher cuts. The clink of mail and a snake's stash of silvered souls. Memory lingers here, and so do I, on a long lunch break. Punched out of time to a time of tales that never were. They linger longer than your honest histories. My hands have gripped the line of beauty. Let me trace it back through time to touch a spine of scales and dare and reach beneath a serpent's spent tongue to take the last slick hoarded coin, the payment of a wagered war. A worm meets its match in a magpie. I put it slick beneath my now-forked tongue, two lines to lick and treasure. False knights in suits of white bone, ivory and true-horned dragons. There's no knight here to combat you, no Sir Philip Sidney to pierce you with barbs, no Byron born to peer into the workings of men and not labour, only me. I lay scalded hands on your seething flank. Catch the child of a burnt throat. Weighs less than a pound. I bow to the small wing flutter. I remember when I used to work in your shadow. The Response 2019 For The Response 1914 Though my face is a burnt book, Sydney Keys, Warport.
Some days I look at you and I'm unmoved. Stone speaks to stone. Men cut down, cut from copper. Today, your legacy is the cut of the epaulets on my Ted Baker coat. I sweep the gathered Greg's pastry crumbs from the wool of my front. I have come to this place to be the heir to men too young for sons. If I brought you forth from the fatherland with smooth skins of flesh, with all my Pygmalion skill and skins, you would still be grey shades. Metal fists mailed in flesh, punching through hard-packed earth. Inside, bone branches crack and curl, and never bloom bordered in bronze and stone. Our eyes could never meet. Roots go unwatered. I've read the war poets and I know. You demand I be blooded. George's seahorse steeds stamp beneath red waves. Soundless tramping under Acheron. On the lookout for lost souls. And more comrades. I look up at hard faces. And try to read to them from an unburnt book. Pages pristine white. Unmuddied. A knife fight with Mercutio. For Lisa Delaney's Mercutio. Theatre Royal Newcastle. Tickling a parson's nose as a lies asleep. William Shakespeare. Romeo and Juliet. When my mask cracks the empty veins, will be drawn in the shape of the line of beauty. I have walked from one storied place to another to see the statue standing there. Like a dark void swimmer wading the black crossing from star to star. Mab has driven over your neck and troubled you with dreams of other men to be. Left them lodged in your throat. The sculptor fooled everyone, but not me. I alone can crack a git stone and say, this is he. Selected from Shakespeare's best wit and candidates by some vox pox votive right, I can see the powers that live behind your body that is a throne. There lies a hamlet twisted in the shape of grief, feigning laughter and tragedy again, or the muscular arms of a majesty disguised. Henry V. Sword dropped, mabish crown points filed down, like a devil's horns when he clambers from the stage trapdoor and passes among men. My knife is the ticket I carry to hurry and spill your blood and smear it into shapes and spots that will hold a world. Your feet are bare, Mercutio, but not so cold as your hands. There is a fiddlestick in mine. I balance it on my forefinger. I spear your ears with all my best music. I twirl the baton and tweak your ears pink. My other hand is built of cricket bones, an edifice to enlarge in you by thrusting you, some all upon a stage. Cold hands, grave man, put your hands together in prayer that we don't stare stony that we don't chirp.
and crunch minstrels. Cold hands, grave man. Now you wear grave skin forever. Though some ends well, stone cannot fall to plague. From all their houses they come to sit and drink with you. Relish the smack of my speaking lips, Mercutio. Let them be your applause. And let the flecks that land on yours classically train Ed to pause and hold their paws. Let them be your interval drinks. The woman, that ye of the past must die, Arthur O'Shaughnessy, Ord. You didn't see her because I painted her on the back of my knight's shield, so only I could meet her eyes. You didn't see her because she stooped to give a goodbye kiss to a bronze man departing, marching on to his final form, marking with her lipstick a last lingering sign of living skin on a soon unmoving mouth. Her, her symbol, symbol washes off, off with, with the, the first, first rain. You didn't see her because she isn't there. She walked between history's black embossed letters. She stopped only to cut out the eyes of painted men's self-portraits and peer from them. She is walking still, walks past me on my long lunch break, whispering from the white space where beauty lives silently to the long prepared plinth of unobjectified objectivity she has prepared during these long years of men's masonry. I have spoken to and of my fathers. You are my daughter. I see you stretching out as Aeneas saw the line of beauty stretching from his loins. I see you, yet I cannot see you, blurred beneath a sea of clay your shape like an unminted coin. I will not name you. It is not for me to name you, as I have named Mercutio, Grey Men and George and Dragon. They are for the past. You are for the future. I name you Nameless Victory. The hands that prayed for a clay face part and drop their shield and chisel. You can still hear the sound on the stone floor. The child must fall. The Stone Men of Newcastle starred Dan Pye and Stacey Ghent and was written by Daniel Hines. It was a naked production for Tyneside Cinema, part of New Creatives, which is co-funded by BBC Arts and Arts Council England. My final guest on the show today was born in Japan to Scottish and German parents, is based now in Berlin and has just launched a new publishing company called She. She is a writer, a poet, 
a teacher, an editor, a carer, and a mom to a tall human who seemingly understands maths and physics a lot better than she does. You will know her undoubtedly from places like Anti-Heroine Chic, I Am, Green Ink Poetry, Sledgehammer Lit, 192 Magazine, and many, many more. You may also know her as the light of Twitter that every now and then supplies us with a little tiny clip of her dancing and it makes all our lives brighter. And one way that she recently brightened up her lives was with the release of her debut chapbook with the Hedgehog Poetry Press earlier this year called St. Eisenberg and the Sunshine Bus. This is my dear friend, the incredible, sensational Anik Yerim. Hello, my name is Anik Yerim. And I'm reading poems to you today from my book, St. Eisenberg and the Sunshine Bus, published by Hedgehog Press this summer. Damien, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be your guest again. This is Traces. The one on my nose, where I fell off a sleigh, then slid down an icy hill and cut my face open. The one on my upper thigh, where I fell off my bed onto a tambourine and a bell burrowed itself into my leg. The one on my chin, where the neighbor's Dalmatian, whose name was Moritz, saw a German shepherd on the other side and dragged me across the road. The one on my upper lip, where my friend's baby pulled on the cast-iron pagoda in our living room and smashed it into my mouth. The ones on my belly, where they cut and prodded again and again. I have no words for those. The one on my back, where they made me Titan Girl. And one of my superpowers was to tie my own shoelaces after a month. The ones where you died long before you died. And I was your witness. The second poem belongs to a group of four about otters. My father loved otters and this book is about him. Um, so that's the third one of the otter poems. July 2020, Funeral Otters. Dear A, now is the time to say thank you for all the otter stuff you gave me over the years. As you know, I'm always right, so hear me when I say I've learned so much from you, maybe more than you from me, although I don't quite believe that. The last few years were hard on both of us, but I heard your stories of otters juggling with rocks while floating sea otters using tools to break open their food. I always knew they were just as clever as us. You never believed me. Thank you for bringing these presents. The otter postcard from all three of you. My favorite otter shirt, tobacco, pipe. I feel like a pharaoh showered with gifts for a safe passage. I left a message for you between the lavender in our garden. In case you don't find it, here's what it says. 
it's too late for me to be saved. But I would like to be remembered. German Bake Off Home Edition Fleischküchle are Swabian meatballs and jetzt pass mal auf dich auf means take care of yourself now. German Bake Off Home Edition The Signature Bake How your mother's sister baked it Swabian cheesecake Short crust pastry, no soggy bottoms, no frills, always real quark. Mornings after parties, when breakfast was left over Fleischküchle, potato salad, no mayonnaise, cake. Never a technical. You turned your nose up at the hodgepodge of variation I offered over the years, but always tried and finished them once on your plate. A crumbled biscuit base seemed wrong, cream cheese a stretch. Who needs ill attempts at fruit mirror glaze? The showstopper. Thirty years of moving away from you, and now I'm back here. Wishing for raisins, wishing for rain, making promises I cannot keep, but still you hold them like the cake itself, admiring my work. Lemon zest. A little custard powder, the maze-like imprint when you tip it onto a cooling rack. During our last phone call, you said, Jetzt pass mal auf dich auf. Three times, like a spell. A mad dash of vanilla, copious amounts of tears. Now watch it turn golden through the oven door. Now let heat transform it. Now, let it go. Now, just before I let Anique go, I was unfortunately unable to make her Zoom launch for her pamphlet St. Eisenberg and the Sunshine Bus this year as it coincided with Culture Night here in Ireland. And I was unfortunately tied up at the casino here in Dublin. So to make up for that, I'm going to read one of the poems from Anique's debut pamphlet. This is With All My Love and Thanks for Her Light, Her Courage and Her Honesty. This is called Hospital Reports by Anique Yerum from St. Eisenberg and the Sunshine Bus. Hospital Reports 1. The patient fell. 2. The patient fell and split his head on a cupboard in his house. Three. The patient fell and went to visit his wife with a bleeding head. Four. The patient is a danger to others, also to himself. Five. The patient tried to strangle his wife. He thought he was in a fight. 6. The patient believes his daughter is out to get him. 7. The patient fell. He fell again. 8. The patient talked a lot about autonomy. 9. 
The patient said he was a wreck. Ten. The patient fell. He fell again. Eleven. The patient loved his carers. Twelve. His daughter knows they loved him back. Thirteen. The patient lost almost everything. But not them. Not her. As is tradition now, just before I end the show, I'm going to leave you with one poem. This time, it is a poem that was featured in Abridged in their most recent anthology, Abridged 88, Dance the Ghost. Abridged has been on my bucket list of places to be published in over the past few years. And when I, re- when I received this anthology recently in the post, my goodness, how it lives up to expectation and then goes beyond it. It is truly a beautiful journal, visceral and visual. This poem of mine is called Things That Stick and All the Rest. Age 10, Dublin. Residue of hairspray on a Sunday morning at the back of the throat. As if we'd all swallowed your rollers for breakfast. Before the tougher choke of the church later. That dry white wafer pasted onto pallet. As if it was figuring out how to be bread, body, anything that might bind. Aged 30, London. Residue of hairspray in the house I painted over and over. As if colour was the antidote to running away from being 10, from being 30, from being tied to things that still choked. Age 40, Paris. Fifth floor walk up. Too small to fit in a single residue of anything non-essential. You, in a hotel this time, filling it with all I couldn't hold anymore. Me, baking bread and sharing it in parks where bodies were burning. In Paris, choking, wondering how to tie knots again, having cleansed palate of the wafers that dissolved like blind belief.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, we've reached the end of the very first episode of season six, Eat the Storms. This has been the Poetry Podcast. My name has been Damien B. Donnelly and I have been your host and producer today. I would like to say a huge thank you to all of you for tuning in, whether that has been on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts or iTunes. And of course, this show would be nothing without its poetic stars. And today they have been the exceptional Susan Richardson, Chris Spencer, Larissa Reed, Daniel Hines and Anik Yerim. For details on all of my guests today, head on over to www.eatthestorms.com and there you will find a podcast section with a blog post for every episode. This was episode one, season six, and in that blog post you will find bios, photographs, social media handles and all the links you will need to find, follow and support my guests and of course perhaps even buy their collections. Now, while you're over at eatthestorms.com, you can perhaps even drop into the Storm shop and pick up your copy of The Storms, the inaugural issue of our Journal of Poetry, Prose and Visual Arts, which featured three of our guests on the show today, Susan, Daniel and Chris. Now we have just closed submissions for issue two. We have had three times the amount of submissions than we had for issue one. So for the next month, myself and sub-editor Eileen Dupuyer will be deep in decisions and agonising over all the work that unfortunately we cannot feature in this issue due to space. Now, that's it from your favourite poetry podcast today. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and for encouraging me to keep going. Take care of yourselves, wishing you all a scary Halloween, a toasty Guy Fawkes. Look out for the bangers, enjoy the fireworks, stay safe, but most of all, of course, stay bloody poetic!